0: Welcome back to another episode of Jack of All Trades here with David as always. Uh, This week, we're just going to kind of go over a couple different things. We'll talk about kind of the current market situation. Um, But what I wanted to get started with this week is, so like, as you guys know, obviously, like, you know, David's the investor guy. I I consider myself more of a trader. Um, So I've been doing a lot of research lately about like kind of expanding my horizon, so to speak. You know, I want to start branching into longer term trades and swing trades and stuff like that. So like one thing I've always kind of, uh, you know, I guess, done as far as my learning process is, that I, you know, you never, you never really try and invent anything new. Like, I mean, you know, trading has remained relatively unchanged for a long time. So I just try and learn from the guys who already know what they're doing, and you know, take little bits and pieces from all of them and kind of turn it into my own style. But like the the thesis of it, I think, is generally pretty similar across the board for certain types of trades. Um, so right now, what I'm doing, because like if you if you look at like you know an investor like i mean you're 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 buying something really long term you know you're you're really believing in the company i mean you know david you can attest to this it's something that you're holding for 10 years you're you know you're weathering some drawdowns you're buying more stuff like that big dips you know it's okay cuz you're looking at the, the long term um when you talk about more of like a trader uh, i guess like trader investor kind of thing you could call it um a lot of the guys that i've kind of been learning off and reading about they're fund managers and, and the way that they trade is they're, they're looking for um, usually like anywhere from a month to up to a year for their trades. And they're not looking to um, like buy any particular company because they think it's going to be the greatest thing ever. It's, it's more weighted on like the technicals and just the specifics of the stock itself. And the idea with this type of trading, um, you can call it swing trading, I guess. Um, it's, it's essentially like shorter term investing. But the whole thesis behind this style of trading is that you' you're really wanting to be really really specific with your picks. so if you look at a lot of the funds it's like you know you want to be super diversified like you know a lot of guys will have their their money in 30 different stocks or something like that to try and you know kind of weather different market dips or whatever make sure their portfolio is in good shape. but the way that these guys trade that I'm kind of interested in is they will hold back a lot of their money they won't be in positions a lot of the time. And depending how big their portfolios are, like they'll say that they'll be in anywhere from, you know, three to up to like maybe seven stocks at a time. Like they're not really putting their money or their clients' money in too many different things, Um, which is a lot more appealing to me because, I mean, the way that I trade now is obviously like, you know, shorter term day trading. But I am still super, super picky, Um, you know, like on my, my stock watch list and stuff like that, I'll get... You know, maybe up to 20, 30, 40 stocks a day sometimes, and usually by the time the morning rolls around, I'm looking at, you know, maybe one to three of them. So um, I am really, really picky because I want the best thought setups, which is kind of why I started focusing on this for, for swing setups. So um, essentially, like what I've been trying to do is 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 look for those stocks where I can capture those big moves. You want to get in like, basically the best the best point with the least amount of risk, and you're looking for you know two, three, four times moves in a matter of months essentially is the goal so so the way that these particular funds trade because in my research i mean i was looking at a lot of these guys you know you have guys like warren buffett and stuff like that who obviously are billionaires and they make tons of money doing long-term investing but um you know for for these guys they're they're making a lot of money a lot quicker and then they get into the investing after that so this is you know i'm i'm, I'm looking at guys who've turned you know a forty thousand dollar account into you know, a hundred million over the period of of you know seven or eight years kind of thing. Like that's that's how these guys are trading. And they're looking at stocks that are really gonna give them like, you know, fifty percent, hundred percent, two hundred percent returns over a period of a couple months. Like that's that's the goal of these plays. Um so like I'm I'm just gonna try and you know kind of walk you guys through like I, I don't know how to do this yet. I'm just the reason I'm kind of bringing this up is just I thought it might be interesting for, for you guys to just kind of hear my thought process, because this is a brand new trading style for me. And I'm just learning it. I'm just kind of back testing some stocks. So I just kind of wanted to to walk through just what I've seen and what I'm kind of roughly looking at right now. Um, not to say that anything I'm going to say today is correct, but I just wanted to take you guys through the process. And so you can just kind of get an idea of what I'm looking at, what I'm thinking with stuff like this. Um, so, Sam, do you want to pull up my screen? Yeah, I think it could be.
1: Could be fun or it could uh, be I was just gonna say, like, yeah, the trading mentality is completely different, right? Because it's like, if you got to lose it, you want to cut that thing quick. Whereas, yeah. like, long-term investing is just—I'm kind of things, just, I'm kinda like, eh. There's ups and downs. <laughs> I'm, right. I'm get out of the position.
0: Well, that's what's funny. I was—I was like the one—one one of the guys I was reading about said that you know, like, basically, he's like, if if I'm if I'm green at the end of the first day I put my money in, he's like nine times out of ten I'm gonna make money on that trade, right? <laughs> but he was even saying he's so strict that like. If the trade's in a channel where it's like, you know, between 15 and $20, if he buys a stock at 21 on a breakout, he's like, if it goes to 1975, he'll cut half his position. Like that's how, that's how tight the parameters are on these things, which, which I like because I I only want the highest odds setup. but that's, that's the way that these funds trade is instead of, you know, let's say it's a hundred million dollar fund, for example, instead of putting, you know, a million dollars into a hundred stocks, they're going to put 40 million into this stock. 20 million into that stock you know 30 million into that stock and then that'll be it so they're looking for those really 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 big big gainer moves like really really high reward to risk ratios is kind of the goal of these types of plays if they can find them consistently
1: enough that you know their investors are happy like you know they can do that maybe once a year or something like that either mm. how it work
0: yeah exactly so Yes, Sam, if you wouldn't mind pulling my screen here, I'll show you like, so these these are a couple ones. Um, I'm not going to get too into all the details. Like I'm looking at, um, you know, I'm looking at earnings ratios. I'm looking at volume. I'm looking at the float. Um, I'm looking at, you know, quarterly reports, stuff like that. Like those are kind of all the, all the things that I'm looking at outside of the chart pattern. But, but the key really is the technicals, because again, these are, you're looking at moves on these that are supposed to be relatively quick moves. It's not an investment. It's just, you want to find, you know, you want to find the stock that's kind of like the little golden nugget. Essentially, it's sitting there. Nobody really knows about it. It's doing fantastic, hasn't started moving yet. And then all of a sudden you get in right when everybody starts noticing it. That's that's the goal of these setups. Um, so this is one that I this is one of the ones I found here. So the first thing I did, I'm just going to kind of walk through, you know, my thought process with these because I'm a big technical trader. So that's kind of the first thing I try to narrow down. And then once I find something that matches the technicals, then I'll look into the fundamentals and see if those match as well. It's kind of going to be my process on these. Um, so basically the whole thesis is you want a stock that's essentially trading, you know, in some type of a, a range for at least a year and you're looking for it to break the one year highs for a big upside. That's that's kind of the goal here. So on the volume side of things, you know, you want like relatively, you know, consistent somewhat low volume and then on the breakout you want to see some bigger volume to push those new highs, get all that attention and everything. So this is M I K, the, the one stock. Um, they're all low floats. Like I'm looking for floats under 100. Uh, the lower the better, because lower floats obviously can push much higher, much quicker. So for this one, like, because you know, in my research, when I was reading about these guys and stuff, they're saying, oh yeah, you know, like when the daily candle, you know, it goes above a breakout level, then you know, you buy the stock, right? And I'm thinking, okay, well, you know, what if it's a fake breakout, stuff like that? So you don't, you don't want to get stuck in a million of those. So this is one for example here, I'm looking at the daily chart. So over here, you know, we're November or whatever. And then this is this is the top right there, you know, 11 bucks roughly is the top of this candle. So that's your that's your 52 week high by the time we get over to this end, right? But if you look at all these candles here, I mean, we had like four or five days where it was above that high. And, you know, we had a little bit of a volume increase here as well. So we're above that high volumes increased. And then it just tanks right back down. Right. So that would have been a loss. And then it comes back down. And then over here, you get this one big green candle. That's the one that pushes it through and then bounces up. So, you know, I was kind of sitting here looking at this for a bit. and I looked at a few others and I'm like, all right, well, you know, that kind of doesn't make sense on this. But all the other indicators that I was looking at on this particular stock, because I'm just back testing them. Right. Like this move's already happened. All the other indicators I'm looking at um, essentially made sense. Like everything lined up, the earnings ratio, the quarter over quarter, all that kind of stuff was, was pretty in line with, with my criteria on these. So, you know, I was just thinking, I remember I was reading about one guy and he said, um, I'm sorry, it was a podcast I was listening to. And I remember him just mentioning a thing. He was talking to one of the guys that he was teaching, cause he's a, he's a fund manager. And he said, uh, he said he was watching him trade a stock and he was trading on the weekly chart and he cut the position because of something he saw on the five minute chart. And he's like you know i told the guy like what you know what are you doing if you're trading on the weekly chart your risk is off the weekly chart if something bad happens on the five minute chart it doesn't matter and that just popped into my head for a second so i was thinking okay well well maybe we'll look at the weekly chart you know, i've never really looked at weekly charts before so um i popped over here um to the weekly chart and you know the line here is still at like you know 11 bucks or whatever so this one immediately became a lot more clear because you can see, you know, 1111 11 is the actual top of that that tick right there. So this is the next time a, a year later when we hit these levels and you can see the, the one week bar has never actually closed above that $11 mark on this on this push. But if you look at the daily candles, there was a few daily candles that closed above here. Right. And then it comes back down. But the only time that it actually pushes through and closes above is on the weekly candle. And then it, you get this perfect little bounce off that and then it shoots up and shoots way up again. So, you know, on this one, for example, we're looking at, I don't know, what is this two and a half, three months, and you're getting 80% returns right there on this one, right? Just, in, you, you know, know what?
1: that yeah. pattern looks like a perfect head and shoulders.
0: Yeah. Reverse, right? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. But if you look at that on the daily chart, it would look like it's holding over new highs, right? Yeah. So that's kind of what I was looking at. So it's, it's a combination of all those different things going into these. Right. But you're, I mean, if you're going to hold something like, like for me, you know, this is all new for me because I'm usually holding stuff for, you know, 30 seconds. So for me to hold something for three months, is it's a bit of a change. Um, so, you know, I want to make sure that everything lines up really good, but I, so I switched to the weekly candle on this one. I was like, Oh, that's way clearer. Right. You know, you just, you could buy when the candle closes on the weekly and then, you know set your risk down here maybe at 10 bucks right just kind of a, a you know a little bit below that line and you know you're risking two bucks and then your upside here is you know 10 bucks so that's a that's a pretty pretty good uh pretty good play i'd say um this is another one i was looking at that i thought was a pretty good indicator like so like right now i'm just kind of comparing daily to weekly candles because i noticed on all like you know a handful of these that i've been looking at the weekly candles seem to be a lot more cleared to me personally so This one, for example, you know, we got, uh, where are we here? So back here, for example, we're, I don't know, beginning of the year, like, you know, March or something like that, whatever this might be. So you got your high here, high here, and then it comes over. So these ones here, right? Like these daily candles push right through. So if if you just bought this on the breakout, you know, you can see this big red candle here. You got big volume, right? So you got big volume, pushes it through, gaps up. And then it just stuffs right back down, right? So I'm looking at this, I'm like, okay, well, we're, you know, we're breaking highs. It's, you know, between a buck fifty and two fifty. It's got this year-long consolidation all the way through here. You look at the volume, the volume's really low. I checked all the all the fundamentals, you know, the earnings, all that kind of stuff. Everything was, it wasn't perfect, but it was pretty, pretty in line with what I was looking at. So I'm thinking, okay, you know, I buy this here on the breakout, and then it just stuffs right back down again. I take a loss. And then over here again, look, it kind of you know it kind of peaks out and comes down. So this obviously has to become the new high for one because of the volume on it. So I did the same thing. I just popped over to the weekly candles, and then if you look at this on the weekly candles, this is it's down here now. So this was that this was that big day, right? So if you look at these, uh, that two, fifty three line. If I go back, well two forty eight here. I drew it out. So say two fifty, right? The two fifty line there. It has this big candle that goes above it. But then if you, look at the, if you look at the weekly chart, the green candle here, you get that big wick. So that weekly candle doesn't actually close above your one-year high. And then the next, the next week, it gaps up, but then it sells off. So that weekly candle doesn't close above it either. So I'm thinking, okay, well, the weekly candles seem to be a lot clearer on these because the weekly candles, if they don't close above that line, then the, you, know, you don't take the trade. But the daily candles are kind of a little bit messier to read to me. So then this becomes your new high. And then if I go over here, you know, you're looking at two nineties, then, you know, it kind of comes up consolidates and then you get this one weekly candle up here, pops out over the line, you know, you're at three, three fifty or whatever. And then it comes up to this next resistance line back here at six bucks. So, you know, you're making, I don't know, 80, 80% on what three weeks roughly. So these are, these are the kind of things that I'm looking for. And again, all the, all the, Fundamental stuff on this was pretty in line with what I was uh, what I've been researching on all the guys that take these kind of trades Um, I'm not sure yet how to tell you know how far they're gonna go like why this went to six bucks and came down. I don't know Um, I Can tell you though if you look at this candle, you know, you get a big 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 top wick like that Like that's a stuff candle, you know, you look at 200 million volume You get this big wick up and then a ton of selling pressure. That's people panicking out of the position So if I was still in it here just for my technical knowledge I'd I'd sell the next monday um or I'd probably sell a piece into this and then if I saw the big wick I'd sell the rest right so I don't know how I'm going to play these yet like again I haven't done these this is this is just kind of my thought process of how how I uh how I go through kind of analyzing these things and just just different things I'm looking at and this this has been something that I've been looking at for I don't know probably 3 months or so now um I've just been doing a little bit of research here and there you know I'm not I'm not I'm not spending a ton of time on it. I'm just kind of spending, you know, like the weekends, basically looking at these and kind of back testing and seeing if some of them kind of make sense. Um, But this, this is kind of my next step is what I want to do as a trader is learn how to hit these plays.
1: It Um, looks like uh, it did a head and shoulders and it was going to break out above the six bucks. I'm going to say like a month or so ago. And then it got rejected. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Like we had this double top here and then. Yeah, it should have broken out
1: there, but. I don't know if that was when the bonds caused the market to sell off the way.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's true. Maybe it was. Yeah, six bucks. Like, that's a, that's a pretty solid resistance level, too. I mean, you look back here, you had, like, you know, a month and a half where it was just sitting right on it, and then it tanked down through it hard. You know, it hit it. It hit it. Even this one here, like, when you get this, you get a pop like this and then a secondary push. Like, if that doesn't push through on that second one, you get this big tank. That Like, that's six bucks. That's a pretty heavy line, technically, so.
1: Yeah, I That's, can't remember where I read it, but I remember somewhere saying like if if the price makes like something like three attempts at a resistance and doesn't break it, then it's going back down for some. It's got some serious downside before yeah, it rises again.
0: Yeah, same to the upside, right? If it if it tests the bottom three times, it doesn't go through it, then it's probably going back up. Um, but even on this one here, I mean, like this this one's much clearer. If you look at the volume, you know, we had this this steady run here. The volume was just consistent, consistent for you know a year, a year and a half. And then all of a sudden right here, when we had that first test, the volume came in, right? We went up to 150, 200 million and then it stayed higher. So this whole past couple of years, we were at like 25 million average on the week. Now we're at 50 million average on the week, even through all this down here. So that's really, really important to watch as well as volume because now there's a lot of people interested in it. Right, so you get you want to you want to keep an eye on that. Like you you're you're trying to get in on these rate as the volume starts to push because that's when you know there's interest. Like if that if that pushed to new highs and the volume was really really low, then I I wouldn't take the trade because it's most likely going to be a fake breakout. You need volume to push them up. Um, Wkhs, this is one more. This is a really big move here, Um, but same thing again. I mean, you know, it's it's you look at the volume down here. It's basically doing nothing trading between 250 and five bucks for a year and then this is the daily chart here and then it breaks out again and you know look at the volume coming on it right it just goes nuts as soon as it breaks out so this one's actually pretty clear cut on the daily but uh, I still I still took it over the weekly just to kind of confirm one thing I noticed that was a little bit different on this on the weekly just because it did have such a big bar here I'm thinking okay you know if I buy this one I'm buying at ten bucks basically on the close of that weekly candle that leaves a lot of downside so you know I got to risk 5 bucks here to make, you know, 10 bucks. So still 2 to 1, but you know that's that's not really where I'd like to buy ideally. Um so I just drew two lines. I drew one at 450, one at 530. The 450 line is basically um this is this is one thing I noticed like a long time ago from from my long setups like when I do my my ABCD long setups that I talked about, you know, early on in our podcast is I always draw. I always draw my trend lines green to green on the one-minute candle or the three-minute candle when I'm doing um, like long setups. I don't know why. It just seems like anytime, anytime I include the red candles, like if we have a big red wick and then the green wick smaller, and I go from the high from the red wick down to a green wick or red wick to red wick or whatever, it never seems to work as cleanly. It's it, I always go green to green, and then it cuts off all the red wicks if there is any through it. And those I've just had way more success with that. So. That's kind of what I was doing here. Is I like think I was looking, okay, you know, Green Wick there, and then you know, Green Wick on this one, this push up to 530, that's a red one. So I didn't include that. So that 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 was why I personally drew those two lines, is just from what I've seen on my day trading long setups. Um so in that case, if you look at the volume down here, you can see this little bit of a ramp, right? Just week after week after week. So that third week would have been this one here. So If this is something that is correct that I can implement, again, I don't know because I haven't done these. I'm just kind of walking you guys through my thought process. Um, If this is something that I can implement where maybe it is a green to green, then that 450, then I'd be getting in here, you know, just under five bucks, like 475 or whatever on the close of that week. And then I can risk, you know, 425. I can risk 50 cents essentially on that trade. And then you're looking at, you know, a 300% upside in two weeks. so yeah i mean uh, i just just kind of want to start off just walking you guys through that like this is kind of something i've been working on for the past little while i've been doing a lot of reading on it um most of the guys like most of the best fund managers in history this this is the way they trade so i'm just researching all their their tactics a lot of them you know explain their methods and stuff and a lot of their methods are very similar like every guy i'm reading about he's saying like oh yeah i got like you know i got these three indicators from this guy and then I read about that guy and he's like, "Oh yeah, yeah, like he told me some of his too and then I got some others from this guy and like so like like the whole system is they're all using the same basic principles. It's just it's just usually something really small. Like one guy will be like, you know, "Oh, I I don't use, you know, the PE ratio, but I use everything else they use." One guy will be like, "Yeah, I don't really use moving averages, but like I use this instead." So it's 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 really minor the changes are making, but like their their theories and their their process is basically the same across the board. So that's kind of what my focus is right now, um, as far as like my next step in trading. Are they
1: playing a certain size company
0: only? Um, yeah. So they're they're looking they're looking for lower float companies. Um, the market cap is I don't want to say it's irrelevant, but you know you want like a relatively smaller market cap, like probably under five hundred million would be better. Um, they're looking for low float, like the, you know, like 20, 30, 40 million shares are ideal, because that's when you can get those big moves, right? Like, you know, if you're trying to, you're, you're doing this on something with a billion shares, it's not going to move that fast. Like, the setup might still work, but you might only get, you know, 10% instead of 100 or 150 or something, right? Um, so, yeah, it's 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 small cap stuff, which is what I'm used to trading anyways. So, I'm used to the way they move. I'm used to the volume and stuff like that. So, it's it's kind of my comfort zone even though they're way more volatile.
1: <laughs> so wait, if you're in longer term, you still gotta pay, are you, do you have to pay more attention to it or?
0: Um, I'm not sure. Like, like, I, if I, like, when I start taking these trades, like I'll put a stop loss and everything in, right? So I'm not gonna be just ignoring it. And like the next step basically is gonna be determining my price targets and stuff like that. Like I'll, I'm gonna sell in pieces on the way up because that's the way I always trade. Um, You know, I'm not just like shoot for the moon with one big chunk. Right. You know, I don't like doing that but like figuring out how far they're gonna go and that kind of stuff is gonna be the next step but The goal the goal right now is basically how to scan for these and how to find these because I don't I still don't know how to set up My scanners properly. Um, I found these stocks just because I was looking at stuff that had made the biggest moves and then I just found a handful of them and then I back tested them and found that all their, you know, all their fundamentals lined up very closely with the criteria that I've gathered from from reading about all these guys that make these kind of trades. So scanning for them is going to be something I'll have to figure out exactly how to do. Because obviously, you know, if a stock's just been moving sideways, pretty tricky to, to, to pick that up on a scanner, right? Because, I mean, you can, but it, it's, I mean, maybe it's just the way it's going to have to be, but it's just going to be a long process going through everything because i'm basically gonna to have to look at them i'm gonna have you know 200 stocks that have been doing this and then find out which ones match so you know I'll look at all the price to earnings i'll look at all the floats i'll look at all the volumes i'll see if any of them have any cat you know catalysts has anything changed new management like some fancy new product anything that's coming out right so, so i wonder
1: if, yeah because you see when you because you're current you're day trading you're scanning for breakouts right you're scanning for Uh, Stocks have pumped because you're shorting them, right? So that'll give you the signal.
0: But these guys haven't moved yet, right?
1: So I guess
0: like it's it's almost like it's almost like I'll have to scan for the fundamentals, right? Like I'll have to set my I'll to set my criteria for like the earnings ratios, my criteria for the quarter, like you know the increase quarter over quarter, how they're improving. Set my criteria for volumes, you know, market cap, float, like all that. It's basically going to be like a fundamental scanner, and then I'm just going to get you know probably 500 stocks and I'll just have to sit there and scroll through them really fast and just see if any of the charts catch my eye and then dig into them. Because that's that's the other thing I was reading about these guys is that are like, yeah, you know, I'll look at three or 400 charts every day. <laughs> and then like, you know, uh, three weeks will go by and I'll find one stock.
1: <laughs> yeah, because how, I mean, is there a way, I, I've never used a scanner before. Is there a way to do it where you can, scan for maybe, maybe there's a relationship, like a company that's trading, you know, wait, like 20% below its, you know, 50 week moving average or like, you know, 80% of where it was a year ago, something like that. Just something that you could, cause you can't, obviously it didn't break out, but maybe you could scan for if it's near the bottom or something like that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I'm not sure. Like I use, um, I use uh stock right now for my scanner. So it's like a pay, it's like 30 bucks a month or whatever, but it's a really, really good scanner. Um, the cool thing about that is you can basically scan for anything because like you like, you like write your own code into it for whatever you want to scan. Um, I haven't actually played around with that yet to see if it can pick this stuff up, but I I was looking at Finviz too, like finviz.com. Um, they have a lot of the, uh, fundamental things that I'm looking for, but to get like really detail on it to the point where I need to, I'd have to get the paid subscription. So I'd have to pay for that as well. So I might even just try to do that, like even for a month or two and just see if it if it actually works out, um, but that's always the trickiest part, right? Even like even for my for my day trading stuff, is figuring out exactly what I want to scan for because otherwise, you know, you spend five hours a night there just looking through a million stocks and none of them are the ones you want to play. And then the next day you look and it's like, shit, why didn't I see that one, right? Like setting up a scanner yeah. is very important.
1: Sam, can you pull up my screen? I, I just want to show you this. Maybe this is useful for you. Uh, so this is the scanner within uh, TradingView. Okay, and So I guess these are some of the things you could, you could scan for extended hours, pricing, performance, valuation, dividends, margins, um, oscillators, balance sheet, I guess. So maybe this is something you could use.
0: Yeah, maybe I'll look into that too.
1: Looks like we give it five ratings too, also.
0: Like it, like might, it might even be a thing where I have to use like a combination of scanners, like, because like maybe I'll only be able to get certain criteria on one and then certain criteria on another. And I'll just have to look and see which stocks are on both, right? Yeah.
1: It's, okay. So this will help at least. You're, you're talking about the PE. So you can do a scan of PE, yeah. employees, market cap, volume. Yeah. Okay. That's interesting. Okay. That might work. Huh.
0: Yeah. I'm going to have to play around with it for sure. Because this, like the ones that I day trade and stuff like that, like they're easy, right? Because I'm looking for stuff that's already moved. Like it's moved today and it's, you know, pick it up quick on any scanner. But I'm like, these kind of trades, you're looking for stuff that hasn't moved that nobody knows about. Right. And you're trying to find it before it moves. So it's it's tricky. (laughs) And the thing is, I don't even know how to play these. So like basically what I'm going to do now is I'm going to I'm going to keep finding these things after they happen. And then I'll just back test them. I'm going to write out all my spreadsheets, figure out what all the similarities are. And then I'm going to set my scanner based on that. So I'm just going to say, okay, all the ones that I really like, you know, this you know this indicator has between has to be between this and this number this has to be between this and this get myself a really specific list of criteria cuz i don't want to sit there going through a million stocks right like you know just give me give me 5 give me 10 that are close and i can look at them and then i'll i'll see if they're good or not right like you know like when i was before i had my my stock chart scanner like i was just using the scanner on interactive brokers and i was going through i don't know probably like 80 stocks, 100 stocks every night. And it was taking me like three hours and it was just like, like exhausting. And now like now, I'm, the way I have the scanner set up on this one, like on a really busy day, I'll get maybe like 40. On a normal day, I'll probably get like anywhere from 10 to 20. And then I can just whip through them really quickly. Like it takes me, you know, maybe 45 minutes to set up my watch list now. Have you
1: noticed any commonalities between the sectors these companies are in? Like are they technology industrials, manufacturing
0: not really um like again i I don't have too many examples because i just started doing this recently but i don't i don't think it really matters what sector they're in that's that's not really the thesis behind this type of setup right it's because it's not it's i don't want to say it's not company based but it's it's not really company based (laughs) it's it's (laughs) you know it's just it's just a combination of technicals and specific fundamentals and then you're just looking for that catalyst to be there to push it to new highs drawing the attention take the move and get out right that's that's the whole idea behind them wonder
1: i was just thinking maybe there's certain sectors that tend to pump more and pump less So than you could so like you know instead of searching for 400 stocks in a bunch of sectors you could just look for 200 in the technology or biotech or something yeah so, you, so you'd true. save yourself some time you know
0: yeah yeah maybe once i get more examples i can kind of narrow it in and say okay you know i never see anything in this sector so just take that off the scanner Kind of you could probably
1: line. you could probably take financials
0: like banks off that. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> They're not well, gonna. I said
0: if I would set, set the scanner for like float or market cap, a lot of those won't be in there, anyways, right? Oh, that's right. That's right. That's true. Oh, that's true. Interesting. Yeah, but yeah, that's that's kind of where I'm at right now. I just thought it'd be interesting to to kind of discuss my thought process on that because this is all brand new to me. I, again, I don't know if any of this stuff is actually gonna work or pan out, but I mean that's. That's kind of how I go through looking at new stuff, and that's how I think a lot of people should really do it. If you're doing trading and stuff, is just you know first things first is back tests. Look back, see if everything works, and then compare them all. And then once you've compared them all, you have a whole whack of them that do the same thing. Then set up your spreadsheet, see what things are similar, see what things are different, see which ones are the best movers, and then just you know just narrow and narrow and narrow. Like it's stock trading is all about being very very specific, sitting on your hands half the time.
1: Oh, I just thought of an interesting uh, comparison slash analogy where this kind of blends into bodybuilding too. it's almost like like in both areas you kind of you put in like months if not years worth of work for like one night on stage <laughs> right So like for for stocks it's like you're doing
0: all this research for one move yeah, right yeah, it's true. it's the exact same thing. But it's true like I mean you don't need to do a million different things right like even in the gym like my workouts haven't changed in like three years and I've been growing for three years, so why do I need to change anything? You know, I I kinda bring the same approach to stocks, right? Like, I'm making money doing A, B, and C, so why do I need to try and start doing D, you know?
1: Yeah, yeah, I like that. So I think bodybuilders should have, should be able to translate that mindset, this idea that you gotta put in the work first. Yeah. And then you have like, one time of like, glory.
0: Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) yeah, it's all the same. yeah, I think after this year, a lot of people are going to realize that in the stock market.
1: <laughs> yeah, man, it was easy money. It's just too easy. I've man. never seen anything like that before.
0: Yeah, I was I was actually reading reading a book uh, yesterday, and and one of the guys was talking about you know he was just talking about how he shorted the S and P the one year, and he's he said he said I was just reading so many articles about all these young guys who were making like they'd never traded before, and they just got out of school and they are making like hundreds of thousands of dollars in their first year, and I was sitting there reading story after story, and I was just like, okay, this this, this does not happen. He's like, this is not sustainable. And he's like, I just, I was looking at it, I was reading all these articles, and he's like, It's something's gonna crash. Like, this this doesn't happen. And then he just started shorting it, and then it just tanked, and he made a whole whack load of money.
1: So the problem? is, like, I notice weird stuff that's happening, but I just don't have the balls to short, because if that thing goes against you, man, you get wiped out so quick. Oh,
0: yeah. The S&P is kind of different, though, because, like, it's, I mean, it's not like you're going to wake up to a 10% move upside. Like, it's not going to gap that much, right? So, I mean, well, I could, but <laughs> still. What
1: was, he sh- was he shorting the actual index or was he, like, doing, like, the um, options, like the E-minis or whatever they're called?
0: So, he, w- he would, uh, this particular guy would, um, he would, he would, what was he doing? Yeah, he would short, he was shorting the index and he was shorting calls as well. Oh,
1: okay. That, okay. Yeah. That he said he, he right. said
0: he doesn't like to buy options because he said he he read one year like he read this one article that says like ninety percent of people who buy options lose money. So he's like, all right, well if that's the case, then ninety percent of people who sell options must make money. That's just, that's just what he started doing.
1: Exactly. Yeah. That's why I wanted to get into options. I don't want to buy an option. I want to sell them because that's where the money is. Because yeah. you have you have decay, right? Time is on your side. If you yeah. buy a call from me. And you're right about the price but wrong about the date i still win yeah
0: <laughs> yeah exactly yeah options if you, yeah buying options like you're, you're fighting everything like you're fighting the yeah. stock you're fighting the market you're fighting time like it's i don't know it doesn't make sense to me yeah
1: yeah i tried telling that to the guys that bought off all in like 2020 the guys that started with a thousand bucks and they're probably like up to a hundred grand right now yeah
0: yeah,
1: exactly. The, the, the problem is, I feel like they're about to all lose it back to the market because the options market is still like the volume is ridiculous. Like, too many people are holding options. Like the is premiums it? are, yeah, the premiums are insane. And I'm like, this market is crashing. Like, get rid of those calls. Why are you all still holding
0: calls? Yeah, and I, well, I think they have that. They have that kind of draw because they are so volatile. Right. I mean, you know, you look at guys. It's like, oh yeah, I bought this one op, like you know, one option contract for two bucks, and then. By the afternoon it was worth eight bucks and I made six hundred dollars.
1: <laughs> no, but I I I'm waiting for the shoe to fall. I remember we we're talking the other day. I'm like, I feel like this uh the COVID pull- pullback of last year wasn't the big one. I feel like it's a big one income.
0: Yeah, it's hard to tell though, man, because they got this well, they just announced the stimulus package today too, right? Like where, where are we now? We're March March sixth, twenty twenty one. We're recording this, so they just announced today that they're doing that. 1.9 trillion stimulus package. Yeah,
1: I wanted to Sam. If you could pull up my um, my thing, so th- during the conversation, I was uh, I spent like a whole night researching. So this is the uh, S and P 500. Um, each bar is like 12 months, so if you're looking at the 1920s all the way until now. It's like 100 years worth, and okay. it looks like after every period of a big crash. So this was the 1920s, the big, the Great Depression. Yeah, we went through we went through like 30, 40 year period where it was just great and then we had the 1970s crash where right. we went off the uh, the US went off the gold standard and then we did another like 20 to 30 years and then we had the dot com and the um and the financial crisis right so my my thing right now is are we about to do are we just halfway through like one of the one of those you know 30 Total 40 person. year boom cycles or is there a big one coming
0: yeah i mean That's, if you draw a trend line on that we're still we're still well above the line
1: yeah Oh, so here's so here's something that people don't understand. What, like, like, have you noticed lately? Everyone, everything is being called a bubble. Yeah, I, it annoys I, me to no end. I just because think a lot of people don't know what
0: they're talking about.
1: Oh, because like, so say keep, keep the chart up. It's like, um, so this is a log graph. That's why it looks like this. But if I went to linear, it looks like this. It's just it looks like it's just flat and then the s blasted off, right?
0: Okay.
1: And it's like, so when you look at this chart, it's like, of course, you're gonna think this is a bubble. It's gotta come back down because you went from flat to, to up, right? But if you look at it from a log scale, when things are measured according to their percentage gains, it's right. just a straight line up. So what people don't understand is that they're look, what they're looking at is, when, when what they're calling a bubble is not actually a bubble. It's actually just normal uh, debt cycles. And when the cycle ends, you know the, the the stock market will crack a little bit, but overall the trend is still going up. And this is because, as long as economies continue to grow, as long as GDP continues to grow, the monetary system continues to grow. This will continue to grow. Right. That's what people don't understand. It's like calling something a bubble is like I, I don't I don't know what they're trying to say because it's like it's like a fraudulent thing. Like oh, Tesla is a bubble. Like why would why would it be a bubble?
0: Right. Well the thing too is that like, you know, if you look at you look at nineteen twenty nine there when they had that, you know, that huge crash, that was that was an economic crash, right? Like it's not like a financial crash and an economic crash are very different. Financial is just people moving their money around the markets, buying bonds, all that kind of stuff, just protecting themselves. Those are financial crashes. Economic crashes are basically everything's just fucked. (laughs) For lack of a better term. And we're I mean, you know, everything's kind of messed up right now from COVID, but by no means are we on the edge of an actual economic collapse. So we could get we could get a market, you know, a, I, I don't even know what the what the proper term to call it a pullback, but yeah, or, or minor minor recession. But we're not going to get like we're not going to get a financial depression out of this because the economy is still strong.
1: So I have um, some interesting things to say about that because I'm reading a lot. I've been reading a lot into it for a while. So we have. Long term and short term debt cycles. So, a short term debt cycle is what you see like, you know, every 10, 15 years or so, we have a little correction and then, you know, kind of go back up. And then there's a long term debt cycle. And that happens with currencies because currencies generally have like 250 to 100 years uh, lifespan before they're due for a correction. And that's fiat, not back in gold. And so, if you look at it historically, the last time we we were truly backed by gold was after the First World War. And so we're getting to that 100-year point. And so a lot of a lot of um, the macro investors, legends like Ray Dalio, have been saying that like, we're getting towards the end of the long-term debt cycle. I'm not saying it's going to happen next year, but sometime within the next decade or two, we're going to have a reckoning. Because fiat currencies have always failed. Every single one of them, doesn't matter who issued them, what time period, they've always failed. And right. so we're going into this period where So Sam, if you can pull up my computer again, I'll show you what I'm talking about. Um, So these are from Ray's uh, book. And let me pull this one up real quick. So this is, um, and fiat currency is always backed by the current global economic power. So right now it's the US. That figure, right? And so these are, so this is, uh, these are the eight factors that Ray identified. He, He researched 400 years of empires. And these are the, eight factors she identified as signs that a empire is about to fall so when you see their education start to decline the trade innovation technology output gdp competitiveness financial center, military reserve status when you when all these factors begin to decline um that's toward the end of empire so it's about 250 year period from beginning to end so if you look at the u.s they're about heading towards the sunset years and if you look at these factors they're they're, they're actually hitting quite a few of them. You know, their education is not the best anymore. Their innovation technology is slipping to China, competitiveness, all these things for their reserve status, all these signals are being hit by um, the U.S. right now. And in, in return, that's negative for the USD. And if I want to put this one, this one's pretty cool too. So this one is a chart of um, empires throughout history for the last, give it, call it 1,000 years or so. Whoa what happened there. Okay. So, yeah, so you have like uh, Netherlands, they were the great power, they were the Dutch empire before the, the UK empire before the United States empire. And if you notice after every great war, the reigning uh, power will hit a peak and start to decline. So this mm-hmm. was the Dutch, this is the UK and this blue was the US so right after world war II, they peaked and they continued to decline after and so if you look at this these trends um, again you can't you can't put a time limit on it but it is saying quite clearly that the US empire and with it the USD is going to collapse some, sometime soon within the next 10 20 years maximum
0: uh, that's my only argument on that though, would be that you know I'm looking at, I'm I'm just looking at this 1500 1600 1700 like I see what it's saying but the world is so so incredibly different now I I don't know how how relevant that those those indicators would be at this point like I, I I'm sure that we'll have some type of a pullback or some type of a decline but I can't imagine that something like this would would factor into having like a huge depression personally yeah
1: I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to agree with that because there's a few things I do see changing, right? Um, technology is one thing. Like this was back when the world was kind of still separated and we're like so connected, all the countries around the world now. Mm. And communication is like near instant. And so I think if there is a collapse, it's going to be very quick because information will spread very quick and solutions will come up very quickly. Right. Um, but the only thing like I, I, I don't think is deniable is that the U.S. is in decline and it's just a question of what happens after people are asking
0: because the thing now too is that everything like you said everything's so connected like our trade and everything is so interconnected the whole world relies on on its on each other infinitely more than it did even 50 years ago right so the whole the whole global system is is a completely different thing right now i I would think that those those charts would be very relevant for a long period of time but ever since the industrial revolution i i'd be curious to see how how that kind of holds weight It, it almost seems to me like you know, a lot of those factors might still be the same, but we need to kind of reset the clock in like the 50s and the 60s.
1: Yeah. So I don't think I think war is definitely off the table. I don't think people have appetite for war anymore. No. Um, I, I mean, not. the US just bombed Syria recently and half the people are like up in arms about it. But like, what the hell is that? Right. Mm. Um, but, but in terms of the monetary policy, those things, I think, are very repeatable because we clearly haven't learned from our mistakes. We keep using the fiat system. And so these are, so this was Ray's um, comparison of what happened when the Dutch Empire um, was in decline, and the British Empire took over. And then when the British Empire was in decline, when the U.S. took over, these factors are exactly the same: debt restructuring, debt crisis. We hear that right now, right? Internal revolution, um, wealth transfer, has and have nots happens right now because when you have a society that's hugely different in terms of wealth. Like the between the poor and the and the rich you have internal conflict right uh currency breakdown we're actually heading towards that right now i mean um what was it since the financial crisis since 2008 the global money supply has 4x 400 times hmm. i mean if if you were if if people were talking about a third world country that 4x their supply in less in about 10 years we're talking hyperinflation yeah Right. So this is, so this is, and, and, right. And you hear, you hear about this new, new new domestic and new world order. These things repeat. So I don't know if it's going to play out the same, but clearly we're heading towards uh, a repeat of the same problem. I just don't know if the solution is going to be the same, but we're heading towards the same problem as before.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I I definitely agree with that. I think that, I think just the way that it's going to go, like, go about itself is going to be very different because. government has a lot more the government just has a lot more control media is a huge huge thing influencing people right Um, that wasn't around back then so word gets out really fast like the individual person like you or I you know if we had 10 million followers on on this podcast I mean we could have an influence to a degree right so it'll be interesting to see how that all kind of pans out but I, I don't think it's gonna be the same. I think it's gonna be very very different. And I think you're right in the sense that whatever happens is probably going to be a lot quicker and then it's probably going to stabilize a lot quicker too which i don't know if that's going to be good or bad because if you're you know if it, if it happens really fast and you're not ready for it you could lose everything overnight right whereas if it's kind of a slow but on the flip side if it's a slow decline and you're stubborn you could still lose everything but then it takes a long long time for things to get rolling again and people are in a slump for years whereas maybe people are only in a slump for 6 months right so I think I think the speed I think the speed is going to be the biggest change, which I I personally think will be good, um, but I mean it's really hard to tell. I mean it's it just depends how prepared you are for it, right?
1: Yeah, yeah, and like, and and the thing is like with today because there is the internet, like information and knowledge passes so fast. Like I'm wondering, like since more and more people are starting to point this out, it, you know how it's like just like trading where it's like if people know your edge, then that edge ceases to work. Right. Right, because people start front running the you know, scheme and plan and strategize. So I'm wondering if this is happening because we've already seen this twice in the in the you know, between the Dutch and the US and the UK. So like, like maybe now that people at least know, okay, shit, this is happening. Let's not, you know, respond the same way as before. Yeah. Right? And then and in the world before it was basically these kind of decisions were were literally in the hands of the few. And just regular people like me and you were just duh, 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 duh. We don't know shit, you know.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It'll, it'll... The, the only thing that I, I hope doesn't happen is all the, you know, the internet superheroes that think they know everything, that don't know anything. They just start, <laughs> they just started babbling a bunch of crap out of there. Because like, like what I'm thinking would be kind of, you know, a benefit to the social media age is, you know, guys that know what they're talking about, you know, economics professors, you know, scientists, you know, whoever, like depending on whatever the situation is, those kind of people can get their own voice heard now, right? Where they couldn't before, before it was just oh, the government says this, okay, that's what's happening. If everything goes to hell, well, all right, everything went to hell, right? But now we can actually hear from people, we can hear from different people. I mean, you know, COVID's a great example, right? You know, you listen to, you watch the news and it's, oh, everybody's dying. It's this and that, it's the end of the world. And then, you know, I sit on my computer and I read research reports from physicians and I read about things that doctors are doing, private studies. I look at actual numbers. I look at how deaths are actually being cataloged. And I can make my own decision saying, "Okay, I, you know, I'm not saying it's nothing, but it's absolutely not as bad as the media and the government are making it out to be. I don't want to get too much into that because I don't want to, you know, open a can of worms or anything. But that's that's just my own opinion. But I can make that opinion because people have the ability to post that stuff online and people have the ability to get that information out to people like me. So I can make my own educated decision on what's going on. And I'm not I'm not just sitting there listening to the propaganda.
1: You're right. I think that's a, that's gonna be a huge difference now that we can't just be fed spoon-fed information. You know, an authority wants us to know, mm. right? Now you got like you got like Joe Rogan who's literally has more pull than <laughs> CNN and like CNBC combined.
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. But that's good because like guys like that, like they don't care, right? I mean, he doesn't care what people think about. He doesn't care about the ratings. He's just gonna, you know, he's just gonna tell you what's true and what he thinks, and you, you take from it what you will, right? There's nobody paying him to say anything and the government's not influencing what influencing what he's saying so it's it's good it's very good yeah i think
1: we're, we're, we're in this very cool era where it's like people have the, we're at a high level of distrust for government and media <laughs> and then you know people watch joe because you can tell he's honest he'll ask a dumb question oh he'll, you know you know what i mean like he'll yeah. he's like he relates he's relates to every man he doesn't have a bias or an agenda is just like all right he'll just right just get yeah. us the information
0: yeah plus so the people the people he has on too, right? They're all like from all different walks of life, and they just tell it how it is. And he just asks questions, so you can learn it right from the source.
1: Yeah, and that's the danger of the echo chamber, man. Every day, so I, I still, so even though I don't trust the media, I still watch them because I want to know what they're feeding people. So, like CNBC will bring the same idiots on day after day, asking the same dumb questions, giving the same dumb stats, and just like, who are you feeding this shit to? Like,
0: yeah, I can't. Yeah. even remember. I haven't watched the news in, I don't know, I want to, like at least two years. <laughs> Never, like, I, I watch like business news and stuff, but I, like just the normal news, like I just turn it on and it's just like, you know, wow, everything is awful everywhere as it always is. That's great. <laughs> so that's what the news is. Everything's horrible. The world's always falling apart. So I'm like, I don't need to watch this crap.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, 100%. I can't stand the news. I, I do watch the financial stuff though, so I kind of want to see what... big names are doing yeah it's getting hilarious now where it's like they're almost contradicting themselves it's just basically selling headlines so it's like if this is popular one day we'll get on board and support it then if it's not popular next day we'll just start shitting on it
0: (laughs) yeah yeah exactly yeah it's just all about ratings man that's what the news is
1: it's the beginning of march now no less than maybe 60 days ago tesla was like wall street darling Mm -hmm. (laughs) And now, like, everyone's shitting on Elon. He's like, this, he should get off Twitter. He's not a good CEO. He bought Bitcoin, blah, blah, blah. I'm just like, wow, you guys change your tune pretty quick.
0: Oh, yeah. But that's the thing. Everybody's, you know, always follow the masses, right? It's that same old same old saying, a person's smart, but people are stupid. Just, it holds true in everything.
1: <laughs> you know what that reminds me of? I watched this, um, so there's this, uh, he's, he's a mentalist slash magician. Um, I forgot his name now, but he had a television special where he wanted to study uh, mob mentality. Because and so he, uh, it wasn't Chris Angel, it was a British guy. Oh, okay. Um, but but so he had a bunch of people in a theater and he crafted this um, fake scenario where the person being filmed didn't know it was being filmed, it was like reality TV, but he had the audience watch what was unfolding live and they had this voting thing, yes or no. And then they're, they're, they're basically playing the Sims with a guy in real life. They are voting for shit that happened to him. Good stuff, bad stuff, you know, gets robbed, whatever, right? And and I I don't want to spoil it, but in the end, he got everybody to vote for this guy to get killed. Wow. Everybody in that theater voted yes for him to get killed. So, So because he's a mentalist, he knows how to manipulate thoughts, right? So he crafted this whole story together. To make it so that people want to vote for him to get killed but it was just eye open. It was like this is herd mentality you lose right. all morals and ethics
0: yeah i've seen i've actually watched a couple of studies on stuff like that like um some of them are, are like like pain studies that they've done in universities and stuff like that where it, it's um i can't remember exactly what it was whether it was questions or whatever but but one of the ones that i watched it was like you were electrocuting someone so it was like if they got a question wrong you'd electrocute them but you could you could pick how much you want to electrocute them. So I think the one, the one I can't remember exactly, but the one way they did it, I believe was they had a person, they weren't there. You couldn't see them, but their, their answers would just come through on a monitor. It would say they would ask a the question, they got it wrong. So you have to punish them. And then you would, and then they would shock them. And then there was the other one where they could see them. They were like sitting right in front of them and they would answer it live. And then if they got it wrong, they would have to shock them. And like when they couldn't see the people, they were like cranking it right up to a hundred. Yes. And yes. then when they could see them, they were like, I don't even want to do this, right?
1: <laughs> yeah, I remember that study. I don't know what it's called, but I, I remember reading that one, too.
0: Yeah, I watched the whole documentary on it. It was really interesting.
1: Oh, Darren Brown, that's the guy's name. If anybody wants to YouTube this series, um, he's got a bunch of great ones. His name's Darren Brown, He's a British guy. Um, he had a really cool one where he messed with a bunch of chess grandmasters. <laughs> so he's a smart guy, right? He says, I'm a smart guy. I play chess, but even I'm just like intermediate level. So, but he invited, I think it was five chess grandmasters or, or like three grandmasters and two like high level players. Hmm. And he's like, I'm going to play all five of you one at a time at the same time, same location. And we're going to see how this turns out. Right? And then, so the whole special was just him making the moves and playing. In the end, he ended up being all but one of them. Wow. But it had nothing to do with his chess prowess. It was literally how he was so smart that he broke the rules of the game, right? Because he basically what he did was he played them against each other. He has a photographic memory. So the okay. guy that he lost to was the first guy he played against because he can't guess what he, what that guy's doing. But once he made a move and that guy made a move, then he just copied the moves back and forth. So he made the chess grandmasters play against each other.
0: Ah, okay. That's interesting. <laughs> that's really smart, actually. Huh. Yeah, that's pretty that's cool. <laughs> It's funny how they can do that. Though. There's a lot of stuff people don't realize like I, I I watched one too It was uh, I think he was like a magician or something like that, too but he he was like, okay, you know, I, I'm gonna get uh, I'm gonna like get 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 you to guess a, a shape and he would be like, you know He was doing all these hand movements. So he was like, yeah, you know, you can just like pick any shape you want You know any shape whatever, you know, it can be anything like and he was just like moving his hands really fast and then Everybody wrote down the shape and he's like it was like an audience and he's like, let me guess Triangle and like literally every person in the audience hit lifted up their card. It was a triangle But if you slow down what he was doing with his hands, he was going was like, like this, this. He goes, Any shape yeah, yeah, yeah any yeah. shape you want and he was but he was like doing it really fast So you didn't even pick it up, right? But then everybody guessed triangle and then he's he like showed the video and slowed it down and it worked on like 95% of the people
1: Yeah, I think this kind of stuff is super relevant to like trading and investing because you're basically trading on information, right? Yeah, and so like being able to separate noise from signal, fact from fiction, is super super important, right? right? Um, like like very similar to your story. The same guy Darren Brown did one where he engaged a marketing company, and so he 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 he, he put them in a cab, sent them to his office, and he, they were supposed to create a um, marketing campaign, create a logo for his company. It was a um, some kind of animal company, right? Okay. And what had happened was, once these guys arrived, he's like, okay, here's a white piece of paper. I just want you to draw your ideas there. Come up with a logo for me. I'll come back in two hours. So he leaps, right? He comes back. The, those guys drew like draw like a logo with basically like two bears in an arch or something like that. And he's like, oh, I, I really like that idea. It looks a lot like mine. They're like, what? He pulls up on the sheet underneath, and they basically drew exactly what he drew earlier. Okay. And what it happened was is because he controlled their thoughts this this whole time. He was the one that called the cap for them. He told the cap to go a specific route and on that route, he seeded them ideas for his uh, logo. So he'll put billboards up with bears and he just like, by the time they got to the office, they already had the idea in their head. Right. Yeah. It's like, amazing it's, how
0: you do that kind of stuff. But like, a, you know, <laughs> without sounding like a conspiracy theorist, I mean, the media could do that kind of stuff and it's just, it's just mob mentality too at the end of the day. Right. Like that's, what it comes down to in the markets and in trading and everything like you know if you listen to any successful trader i mean nine times out of ten they'll tell you that they're always going they're always not moving with the crowd for the most part right like everybody's panicking they're buying everybody's really excited they're they're shorting i mean it's not that it's not that you're going against the crowd because that's how you'll lose a lot of the time but it's 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 really just making your own decisions being aware of everything and you don't want to just jump in on the hype, you know? It's like like it's it's a sales tactic, right? Like think about think about if you go in, you know, you're going in to buy a car or something like that. You know, you're in there but, you know, by yourself and and then there's there's a bunch of people around you and say, "Oh wow, this car is really nice." Like, "Oh, I might buy this car." And it's the car you want. And the sales guy comes over, he's like, "Yeah, man." He's like, "Every like you can see everybody wants this car, right? Like, look, everybody's around it." Like, that guy's going to buy it. I can't hold it much longer. Like, "Do you want it? I got to sell it." And, you know, and then you, ah, you know, like, okay, I'll buy the car." Right? Whereas the smart person who's, you know, you can say the contrarian or whatever is going to sit there and say, no, I'm not going to buy that car. Like I'm I'm going to wait. It doesn't seem like a good price. You know, everybody's, everybody's all excited about it. I'm going to, I want to take my time. I want to make the right decision. And that's the guy who's going to end up on the better end of the deal. Right.
1: Yeah, I think you're right. It's not so much you're going against the crowd, but you're like a critical thinker. Like just because the crowd's going one way doesn't mean you're just going to accept it. Right. You kind of, take a step back and going okay let's assess the situation here are they right are they wrong or
0: what's up yeah every trade that i've gotten burned on has been one that I'll, <laughs> you know, I'll, I'll i'll look at it and i'll see it really quick like somebody will tweet about it and then i'll look at it and i'll go like within seconds i'm like oh that's a good setup and then i'll just buy it and then it reverses on me right away or i'll sort it and then it keeps going up or whatever and then i'll be like shit i cut the loss and then i'll look at it and i'll be like oh my god i shouldn't have taken that trade it would have taken me you know Thirty seconds to look at this piece of information, and realize that was a bad trade, right? But it's it's you know it's the excitement. That's that's what this whole year was. That's what all of 2020 was was the excitement, excitement, right? Everybody's like, oh yeah, my you know my buddy said this, and like oh apparently Reddit's doing this, and oh I'd heard on the news that everybody's buying this stock up over the weekend, so I'm gonna buy it now. And it's like, okay, you know what 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 do you know about this company? Like what do you know about their fundamentals? What's the chart look like? Well, I don't know, man, but everybody's buying it. Like, okay, well. You're gonna lose money. <laughs> yeah, I I don't even think they're looking at a chart.
1: Like they might Google the price like once a day or five times a day.
0: <laughs> yeah, uh, I was like I was like, talking about, I was talking to my buddy uh, like the other day, and he's like he's like he's like yeah it was like earlier this week he's like yeah I'm buying AMC man I was like why <laughs> he's like oh my friend told me that like it's gonna be the next GME like all the Reddit guys are supposed to be all over it this weekend and I was just I didn't say anything. I was just like, okay, you know, whatever. <laughs> it's like, it's a bankrupt movie company, but okay. And he's like, oh, no, I don't trust. And then like three days later, of course, it's down like a couple bucks. He's still holding. And I was like, he's like, yeah, like I'm, I'm going to hold it over the weekend. Like everyone's going to, everyone's supposed to buy it over the weekend. Like there's this whole Reddit group, this and that. I'm like, oh, Okay. Let me just let me just show you something really quick. <laughs> so I just I pulled up like AMC and GME side by side. Showed him the two the two charts. Like showed him all the resistance on AMC. Showed him how there was none on GME once it got to new highs. Showed him the float. Like showed him the the financials of the company. How it's completely bankrupt. Explained to him the short float, which was like a hundred percent on GME and it was only sixteen percent on AMC. The the share size is like five times higher. And I just like walked him through all this, and he's like. Oh, and that was on like Friday afternoon. He's like, "Okay, well, yeah, I'll just, I'll just sell it on Monday because apparently they're still supposed to buy it all this weekend." I'm like, "What? <laughs> what am I? What am I even talking to you for, man?"
1: <laughs> I, think, I think He's gonna tank soon because apparently they're issuing shares to try to raise some money for survival.
0: Oh, if that happens over the weekend, that's gonna suck. <laughs>
1: yeah, because it's gonna dilute his holdings and just gonna oh. cause a bigger sell-off. That's what I heard though. I'm not sure if it's set in stone, but man. But see, this is like this is why like traders or investors more as sweet traders, you gotta you have to have some information. You gotta trade on some information.
0: Yeah. I mean, everybody learns, like you and I learned the hard way too, right? So I mean I can't, you know, I can't bash people for that kind of stuff. But I've just noticed, I think you could probably agree with me. I've noticed the whole theme of this year has been everybody and their mother is trading stocks now, and everybody asks me these questions because they know I trade, and then I give them my advice, and then they're like, okay, well, I'm not going to listen to you anyways. And then they lose money.
1: <laughs> just they're, they're asking the question, they want a specific answer from us, and if we don't get it, give it to them, they're like, I'm tuning you out.
0: Yeah, they're like, oh, okay, whatever, I'm just going to do it anyways. Like, All right, man, I yeah. got fun. <laughs> Yeah,
1: like it's you're right. Like throughout the whole year, I've had a couple people message me about stocks. And as soon as they message me about it, I'm not even looking at it. As soon as you message me about it, you who don't know about stocks, it's not even worth looking at anymore. Yeah, right. (laughs) Like there's there's a there's a couple of guys um, from the last Bitcoin uh, bull run. They're like, well, well, we know Bitcoin has hit the top, but my mother calls me to tell to to buy her buy her son.
0: Okay
1: like like that that's that's mania level when your mother who knows nothing about technology asks you to buy her some bitcoin that's yeah. when you know the top is it
0: <laughs> i got a funny story about that actually one of the guys i was reading about like researching all these like swing trades i'm looking at he was talking about like one of his best trades ever it was back in like the 80s or 90s or something like that but he was he was he was shorting gold and he said it was you know it was when it went to like 800 bucks or whatever it was um but he said he's it was the funniest thing he's like he's like. I just, he's like, I came running into the office the one day and I told everyone to, to sell it, like just short everything, sell all the gold and, and open a short position. And he's like, everyone in the office is going, why, why? And he's like, I explained to them like, why, like why I made this decision? Because there was nothing in the news, like nobody was talking, but there was literally nothing. And he's like, it, it all came down to a conversation I had. He's like, I was talking to my one friend who like, he doesn't trade or anything. And we were supposed to have dinner with them that weekend. And he's like, oh yeah, like I'll ask my wife when she gets home. And I was just like, I was like, oh, like, where's your wife? And he's like, oh, she's just out like selling a couple of her gold necklaces because like she just heard that like gold prices are just absolutely insane. He's like, I hung up the phone. I ran to the office. I just sold million dollars in positions, opened millions of dollars in shorts. And then he says the following Monday, it just tanked because he's like, my thought was, okay, if this guy who doesn't know anything about trading, his wife who knows even less about trading is hearing this stuff and she is selling her jewelry because she knows it's that high priced, it's it's at the top or it's very very close to the top and then he like that was his best trade of the year
1: <laughs> jim simmons he's worth about four billion dollars today
0: oh you know who yeah i can't remember the guy's name is that it yeah
1: that's the guy that's a very famous story man It's yeah. it's, it's the, so best,
0: the best. yeah it,
1: yeah yeah that's part of it right as traders you got to be able to always keep a critical eye open and then you got to like be ready to move soon as you see something happens because timing is so important.
0: Yeah. Well, like like Bitcoin in 2017 was the same thing, right? Like it, it was, you know, at first, like anything in trading is always really niche, right? Like not a lot of people know, like what we know on the day-to-day basis, like, you know, something moves, like GME goes nuts. Nobody knows about it except for us. So when, you know, I'm walking into work and, you know, the secretary and, guys in the field are like, Oh, have you heard about this stock? Like, this thing's like, as soon as I start hearing that, it's like, okay, you know, red flags are going off, like whatever it is, if it's, you know, if it's Bitcoin or whatever, like Bitcoin was the same kind of thing in 2017. Like, I didn't know a lot about trading at the time, but it was like, you know, I was, I was involved in the market. So like when Bitcoin was kind of like running up, you know, like I kind of got an eye on it when it was around like 3000 bucks or something. And that's when like all the small caps I was playing started to go like at the time I was playing a lot of OTCs because they were still like really volatile. Um, That was before all the volume dried up. Bitcoin was kind of the last run on that. But like I was trading a lot of OTCs. So there was all these OTC penny stocks, like these Bitcoin stocks that were going nuts. So like, you know, we were all just trading those like crazy and like nobody knew about Bitcoin. And I, I, I didn't know much about actual Bitcoin, but I was making a lot of money just trading these OTCs. And then, you know, a little while later, they started talking about it in the news. And then, you know, a little while after that, like, you know, I heard like someone in my office who I knew was an investor kind of you know mention it a little bit to someone else in the office and then a little while later you know i'd be out on a construction site and like you know the guys you know the, the guys in the hole like laying the pipe they're talking about it And i'm like okay this is like this is getting like pretty pretty hyped up now and then that was when it was like speeding up speeding up and then you know as soon as it becomes talk where you walk into the office and everybody's talking about it then within days or weeks it just tanks right it's the same thing
1: yeah, that works out yeah. is it I just actually did a quick study of um, Bitcoin and the S&P 500 to see if the relationship because there's some people that say Bitcoin is an uncorrelated asset. Some people say that it is correlated. Okay. Um, I used to believe it was uncorrelated, but I, I'm starting to see that it is somewhat. See, so on the macro scale, it seems correlated with the S&P. On the weekly moves, daily moves, it's a it's completely different. But if you're looking at... So, so the reason I say that is because the last time Bitcoin peaked was... Uh, uh, Christmas, January twenty seventh, twenty eighteen, right, and that was a basically Bitcoin crash just within weeks of the stock market crashing. And the, the same problem. Uh, no, not not the housing, but it's twenty eighteen, so like um, it was the same thing we we have now, which is the the bond bond uh, yield started going up. Okay. So Bitcoin kind of preempted the S and P five hundred, sold off first, and then the S and P sold off, and then and then now we're, we have the same issue where Bitcoin kind of sold off last few weeks. Again, preempted the S and P 500 by like a week or two, and the S and P sold off too. Hmm. So, I think because there's so much money within all these big asset classes that if a if a larger global economic issue happens, I don't care what class of asset you are, you're gonna you're gonna you're gonna dance the music. Like right? you're not yeah. gonna ignore it, right? Um, but in terms of like weekly, daily stuff, I think I think it's uncorrelated. So I thought that was interesting.
0: Yeah, that's pretty. It kind of makes sense. I mean, especially now, probably I I can only see that getting tighter and tighter as more and more people put their money in Bitcoin. I mean, you know, if people see the stock market starting to crash, they're probably going to start taking their money out of Bitcoin unless it does become like, you know, the quote unquote gold of the Internet. Right. Yeah, gold
1: is still relatively uncorrelated. Um, So Bitcoin has like something like a point six. So it's it's considered not correlated, but it's but there's a relationship there. Gold. Clearly moves inversely with the the the, the, the S and P five hundred. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I don't think Bitcoin's quite there yet, but if, I think if gold bugs start getting in there, it'll start it'll start changing its behavior a little
0: bit. Yeah, it'll be interesting. It could go either way, right? It could it could it's, it could start running in tandem with the markets, or it could start running like gold does. Yeah,
1: I think I think so. Here's what I noticed a long time ago. I thought it was interesting thing to think about. It's like the asset kind of takes on the personality of the people that invest in it right so tech has a personality industrials has a personality you can see the, in the price moves like and you hear like i hear the financial news always talk about bitcoin as if it's some kind of stock they're, they're like saying they're criticizing it, saying it's got no L. like neither does gold what what the fuck Who cares?
0: <laughs> yeah gold's earnings last year were
1: <laughs> so i'm like all right well a lot of these idiots who treat it like a stock, started investing it like a stock, are we going to behave a lot like, like a lot more like the S&P than it does gold?
0: Yeah. And a lot of the older guys that I've talked to that are like thinking about investing in Bitcoin and stuff, they keep looking at it and they're like, oh, it's so volatile. Like It's going to give me a heart attack if I wake up and I'm down 20% overnight and this and that. I'm like, yeah, but that's just the way it moves. It's, you know, <laughs> it's for, for someone like us, it's not really that shocking.
1: Yeah, and uh, believe it or not, Bitcoin's volatility has actually greatly reduced. It's had so this is its fourth uh, cycle, and between the last two, the, the, the it's it's been reduced by like forty percent. Yeah. So the volatility. So I, I, you know, I think we we're talking about a few episodes back about you know the larger an asset class is, the more money and the less volatile it is. Right. So so it's definitely started to calm down a little bit.
0: Yeah, yeah. Even as there's more Bitcoin mining and everything, more people buy it. I mean, it's. You're know, you're just increasing the float basically, which is going to reduce volatility. Yeah, the float's increasing, but not like too much.
1: Um, nine hundred a day, nine hundred yeah. a day right now. Yeah, so not too much, but um,
0: still makes a difference over time, though.
1: Yeah, yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. And like, so I, I I pay for the service that gives me on-chain data, so it tells me like uh, what addresses hold one bitcoin, what addresses hold a thousand bitcoin, what they're doing, they're going up and down, right? And so some 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 really curious stuff is happening. You can almost tell uh, that where the trend is heading by looking at who's dumping. So, if you see like wallets that are uh, fresh within the first this year, if they start selling, uh, that's panic selling. Right. So you know you can kind of ignore that. But if you see wallets like say three to seven years in age and they start selling, get the fuck out.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because they're the long-term guys, right?
1: They're the long-term, smart money, high-level investors. And you see, you know, yeah. we've been holding for years. They know this industry. If they start selling, get the fuck out. <laughs>
0: yeah, It's so funny, man. Like, there's like, there's always, like, those key little things that, that really correlate in whatever, whatever type of trading you're doing, right? Like, you look at Bitcoin and stuff like that or investing. Like, I mean, if you could look at something like that for, like, Tesla, for example, like, you know, how long somebody's held it and how many of those positions are selling, like, that would be a game changer. <laughs> the fact that you can see that for Bitcoin is in- insane.
1: Might not happen anytime soon but i think eventually um stock will get will be on via blockchain now um they're actually talking about it now because of the GameStop issue because like you can't how can you physically have 140 of the float sold
0: short Yeah, that's was just ridiculous right
1: so then now if you could put each share and account for it on a blockchain then you know at any given time exactly how much um is, is sold short at any given time mm. right because their explanation.
0: Sorry, no. I was just—I was just going to say—I I heard um, probably like four or five months ago. Now, one of the guys I follow was—he tweeted a, an article that was saying there was there was potentially going to be like, it was the SEC was potentially going to release like a service that allows you to see like real time how many shares are sold short, which would be an absolute game changer in <laughs> day trading or in anything really. Yeah.
1: I, I, what I, was told, I, I did a little digging into the GameStop bomb, and it, so. So they so the issue stems from something called T plus two. It takes two days for settlements to happen, right? So say Robinhood, did he's got a bunch of users, you go in there, you trade all day. The trades aren't really happening in real time. They're just kind of happening on a ledger. And then what you do is at the end of the day, you settle those things. You see, oh, this share traded hand six times, and then you just kind of like work work through the the the, the trades the whole day, and you finally settle on who's who it landed to, right? Okay. And apparently this process takes two days. And so because of that delay, that's how you can get to 140 40 uh, percent sold short. It's okay. not in real time. Okay. Right. So so that's what happened. So they're like saying like the, the best thing to do is if you could get it to be real time. And so there's yeah. so there's some talk about thinking about putting that on the blockchain because that's real time.
0: That'd be really interesting. I don't know how that would like I'm just thinking about the tr- the plays that I do. I don't know how that would affect you know how that would affect my trades. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if it'd be good or bad.
1: Because yeah, by the, because you you're you're in and out so quickly. Like by the time somebody realizes, oh, this this thing's sold short, maybe you're already out of your position or whatever, right? Yeah,
0: That's, yeah. Because like I mean, yeah, it's tough to tell. Like I don't think that stuff would really affect like my particular trading too much because, like you said, like my things are so quick and I'm I'm looking for stocks that are just like so so mangled already that there's no way they're going up. <laughs> so I don't, I don't think, like, like, you should hear the commentary I have in my head, man. I'll be looking at something and I'm like sitting there, I'm like, oh that stock is fucked. That's great for sure. a <laughs> short.
1: They're going, what a piece of shit. I can't and wait off, to short
0: this And oh, Man, like so many people are losing money. This is beautiful. <laughs> it's so bad.
1: I'm ass on the other side buying it up.
0: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> He's the one buying all my all
1: my shorts. Oh man, that's funny. That's funny. But yeah, like it it is different. It is different for investing, though. I wonder how that's going to play out. Because like a lot of people are. So what happened this week was a lot of people were complaining that um, Tesla was heavily shorted again, and Ark Investment, the ETF, was actually heavily shorted again too. People are basically betting on the technology companies to to fall, right? Right. And then so a lot of so there's a group of investors going well. Shorting is healthy. You know, it has certain functions, and I agree with that. But then, the way these companies uh, Tesla and ARK are being shorted is the unhealthy version, where it's like they're they're literally selling more of the float into the market in order to cause the a sell-off, because because they're, they're selling into a sell-off momentum, right? The, like they didn't cause the sell-off, but now that it's already selling off, like let's just sell more shares off, I'll just cause a cascade of stops to get busted, right? So that's not cool.
0: Yeah, but on the flip side of that, I mean, if it bounces up, then they're all covering, right? You just get more, dramatic, just get more dramatic moves. That's all it does.
1: Yeah. So that brings up a funny question. So it looks like the S and P Tesla was was making a comeback on Friday. Mm-hmm. I'm wondering if Monday we get, well, because the stimulus got passed. I'm wondering yeah. if Monday we get a, if we get a gap up and it fucks those shorts. sellers. <laughs> yeah.
0: was like, anything, man. Like, if you look at any, you know, like like day trading charts and stuff like that, like. You know, if you get like one of those big like waterfall sell-offs where it just goes like crazy, you get a huge bounce, like literally almost all the way back up to where it started, like almost every time. So it's it's yeah. just the way it goes, right? You short, 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 and then everybody covers, and then you get those panic covers on the way back up. So all it does is yeah. make it more volatile. Yeah, because there's got,
1: there's a certain level of demand at a certain price, right? It's not because I think most of these companies are not going to go to zero. The chance of going go to zero is like something else, right? Yeah. And especially if they're, like, somewhat quality companies. Like, so, I mean, if AMC hasn't died yet, no company's going bankrupt. <laughs> yeah, seriously. <laughs> so, it's like, so, like, yeah, Tesla price is down, like, what, 30%. Like, I really don't care. They're obviously not going bankrupt. But yeah. what I have in my head is, like, I'm thinking there's got to be a demand somewhere. There's a price range where there's a lot of, a huge demand. And as yeah. soon as you, you short sellers tick to that, that little area, you're fucked.
0: Yeah. Yeah. There's go- There's going to be a big base somewhere for sure. And like, I mean, you got you got to realize too, like, I mean, if you look at Tesla or something like that, like it had a, it had a dramatically fast up move and that's always followed by a quick downturn. So like if you're, you know, if anybody's thinking it's just going to go you know straight up like this, and then it's just going to sit there and then go sideways and then go back up. It never happens. It always comes down fast after you get a quick uptrend and then it'll yeah. find its base.
1: Yeah. I wish there was a way to craft it, but like, I bet it'd be funny if somebody was able to visualize this with data, but if you took like the stock price move of the Tesla, say for the past year, and yeah. you were to break it down by the type of buyers, like let's say Tesla right now is like what, uh, it, it peaked at 800 bucks, right? You, I bet you, you if you had the data, you could graph it where it's like people who bought it at like two to 400 were accredited investors or like hedge funds or like smart money. And then as you get to like the top 10%, it's just pure retail mom and pops like <laughs> you know, whatever. Right. And then those are the ones that are going to sell off first, right? Because the because the smart money bought in early and they're 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 more knowledgeable. than the guys who bought the peak obviously just bought on hype. So they're going to be quick with the selling.
0: Right. Yeah. So, you never want to buy at the top like that. It was like anything is like that though, right? Like guys Get excited and they wait and they wait and they wait and then it goes way up and they're like oh man it's gone up like you know it's gone up 200 over the past month or you know whatever the time frame is which is if it, you know if, if you're looking at it it's the same thing it's just all the hype you know the mob mentality like the news is talking about how crazy this move is and all your friends are talking about how crazy this move is that's the time to wait <laughs> wait for it to come back before you get in or short it you don't want to you don't want to be hearing everybody talking about how crazy this move is and then get in because you're you're either just you're just going to lose all your money.
1: Yeah, so here's where the contrarian personality should should like step in and give you like a red alert because it's like if you're thinking about FOMOing right now because this stock this price has really taken off, you got to think about the guy who bought in like 50% earlier. They're ready to sell into you, right? They're ready to take some profit.
0: Yeah, 100%. That's what I right. always look at, man. That's why like that's why charts are so important, like especially, you know, especially for the stuff that I do, because I'm always looking back, like, you know, so they always say, like, when you, you know, you look at a chart, look left first before you look at the chart, (laughs) always look left, see what happened in the past. Like, you know, does this stock have a history of, of little spikes and then big tanks? Does it have a history of big, big run ups? And then it holds like, you know, what, what, what's it done in the past? Like history repeats itself, especially on specific stocks. Like every single stock behaves the same way, like within itself. It just, it just changes, you know, it just changes range. That's really all it does. But it's always going to do roughly the same kind of thing.
1: Yeah, I'm telling you, like stocks have personalities. If you if you analyze and you just look at the price over a long period of time, you kind of get a feel for how it moves. It's pretty yeah. funny how that
0: works. I know. And then the longer the longer you're doing it, the more you know. Like I, I've now that I've been doing this for like four years now. Like you know, I'll, I'll see a stock that I've seen you know maybe twice over the past four years. And as soon as I see it, I'm like, oh, man, I remember this piece of shit. And I'm like, all right, <laughs> let's go. <laughs> Round
1: three. <laughs> it reminds me of the story where I was telling you, my, my mom, I, she, so she got me to run her RSP. And she's in this um, pharmaceutical company. And she bought it just because she used to work for them, right? Yeah. And I looked at the chart and I nearly had a heart attack. I'm like, this is the ugliest fucking thing I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> And I'm looking at it next, and I'm showing you the chart. You're like, I've shown this shit before. I,
0: I know. It's just, you're like, you're telling me about it. I'm like, oh, yeah, man, that sucks. And then you told me the ticker name. I was like, oh, man, I made so much money on that last year. I've sorted that a bunch of times.
1: <laughs> it's such a fail, man. I, I, I literally almost had a heart attack when I saw how much money she had in that thing. I was like, holy shit.
0: Oh, so funny.
1: But but your
0: mom she got lucky. She probably paid me a little bit then, I guess. <laughs> no, she, she she
1: was a beneficiary of dumb luck. Because mm-hmm. what had happened, so the, the sequence of events was this Tesla hit an all-time high, and the like pre-split was about a thousand bucks. I was telling them, i like, you need to take some money off the table, to sell some right now, right? Yeah. So she delayed for like a few weeks, so I don't know why, and then she sold it, and then she didn't know what else to put it in. So she bought the, the pharmaceutical company because she used to work for them. Right. But her dumb luck timing worked where the stock tank, like a month before it hit rock bottom, did a double dead cat bounce. and she she caught it right at the bottom with a second bounce. <laughs> That's awesome. so She actually made money on it?. A lot of money. <laughs> That's awesome. twenty return in, like three months. Oh my God. And uh, but then I took her out recently. I was like, I, I don't want to take you out just because because I saw that it did have a really good bounce. It was like, I, I think I showed you it was the Adam and Eve uh, pattern. Yeah. yeah. Um, and it's a recovery pattern. So I was like, this thing might recover. So then I didn't take her out, but I did put a stop there. Like as soon as you hit like uh, uh, so she bought around nine thirty nine dollars thirty cents. Mm. I put the stop stop at eleven dollars and thirty cents. I was like, if this thing goes below that, I'm taking you out. And I told her that. Right. Mm. And then and then it started breaking up just like a normal uh, Adam and Eve pattern. And then earnings happened. <laughs> it just like bang crashed down.
0: Yeah. Yeah, earnings, man. Earnings always
1: suck. <laughs> I told you, I was researching that company it was just they're getting sued by the American government. They were getting sued for um, false false misleading advertising. They were like they were getting attacked from like all corners of the world. They had to take drug lines off the thing. I was just like,
0: what a piece of shit. <laughs> <laughs> pharmaceuticals are man, you gotta be like you gotta be a special kind of person to trade pharmaceuticals, like invest in them. You gotta know so much about those things, like you almost gotta be a scientist. Yeah, didn't you
1: show me a stock yesterday? It was a biotech company, got FDA approval, and just went, Whoop.
0: yeah, it was EYES. <laughs> Traded like oh my god, I, I've played that a bunch of times in the past, but yeah, I got FDA approval for like some. It was like a like a prosthetic eye that you could actually like like see through again. It was pretty cool, but uh, yeah, it traded seven hundred million shares, and the float I think was four like forty million. So it traded like three and a half billion dollars in one day. It was like like I had my three minute chart open, and like all the three minute candles for like the whole day had like ten million shares traded on every candle. It's like wow.
1: (laughs) I'm curious. Did you check to see? if it had a spike before the news broke i'm just curious i'm always curious to see if somebody frontline like somebody new you know insider.
0: no i just gapped up and went really yeah wow. yeah it was insane I'm, I'm still debating whether or not i want to play that on monday because like that's a lot of attention I, I like finding things that nobody's paying attention to so i'll probably ignore it but
1: yeah now now that it's getting attention you might be on a hype train the retailers the retail buyers are in and
0: yeah, it got it got pretty mangled. Like it spiked up huge into the close, and then like tanked down hard. So like the setup looks good, but I don't I, I don't know with that much attention that that makes me nervous.
1: <laughs> yeah, like I noticed like especially like trading like Bitcoin. It's like it's like you're you're in the ocean. You don't ever want to fight the wave. You kind of want to go with it, but you don't you don't want to fight it because you're not going to win ever.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Like, especially with shortly, it's the opposite, right? If you're if you're going long, I mean, you want stuff like that. You want everybody to pay attention to it because everybody's going to be excited. and They're all going to buy it. But if you're shorting stuff, like at least to the kind of stuff that I do, like I don't want anybody to be looking at. It. I want it to be. I want it to be. You know, something happened yesterday. It's yesterday's news. Something new and exciting is happening today. So nobody's going to be trying to buy this thing. It's just going to be everybody that's stuck in it from yesterday who are selling. Like I don't. I don't want new people. Like if. That's that's the other thing too. Like, is, is that I kind of watch for is like, you know, if I have a couple things on my watch list, if it's the next morning and I see there's a stock like that, like EYES, where it's like going insane, then I'm like, oh, okay, perfect. Like that gives me even more odds that my plays are going to work because I know that nobody's paying attention to them anymore because everybody's looking at this nice, like new and exciting thing. Whereas if there's absolutely nothing going on, then you got to be a little bit more cautious because then everybody's like, okay, well, there's nothing new today, then they're going to pay attention to the stocks from yesterday then you get more chance of getting squeezed out.
1: When you trade you like you've you des- designed the situation where like, you've, you're controlling all the variables mm. right like nothing no outside influences because mess, mess with your trade as long as you've identified the pattern like your your high
0: probability success yeah. Yeah, that's why I kind of like it I mean like you know it's like yeah I mean the trades are really quick or whatever and like you know you can get underwater fast if you're not you know quick to the gun to cut your loss or whatever but it's like it's nice because it it like i don't i I really don't have to pay attention to you know the economics i don't have to pay attention to the s&p like none of that stuff really matters like everything kind of operates outside that which is you know it's kind of like easy is not the right word but i mean you know it takes it took me a long time to get to this point but it's it's just nice that i don't have to like constantly be you know like oh what's the government saying like what's biden doing like you know what's happening on cnbc like you know what's what's going on over here how's coronavirus do like i don't have to worry about any i could stuff i can just you know come home look at the things and okay yeah there it is there's the patterns that's it and that's it i'm done right it's it's just a lot it's a lot more niche which is nice
1: quite, quite obviously because you know me i'm always reading up on news and kind of figure out what's going on the on the in the greater market yeah. it's like the way i play like I, I started to do this unconsciously until recently I started to realize that what I'm doing is a certain thing where it's like, so like Tesla, right? I, it keeps going to new all-time highs. So like, when do you know to sell? <clears throat> so that what I what I started to do is I started to look at macro events that would not cause Tesla to sell off, but the whole market to sell off. Mm-hmm. And then I would try to sell off before that. So like I sold a bunch of Tesla before the election. so a new, you know, okay. th- that, could, that could cause the market. So I was looking at these macro events that would cause a sell off and I would cash out a little bit before that. And so, if there was a sell off, I could buy the dip. Okay. Right. Yep. So I, 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 that's
0: what you like to do, though, right? Like that's that's you like learning about that kind of stuff.
1: Yeah, yeah. I just yeah. The more I understand, the more I, I think I, I did a story about this the other day. I was like, the more I understand about some an investment, the more comfortable I feel about it. Right. Um, I mean, if you're holding something without any information, if it goes up five bucks, you're stupidly happy. If it goes down five bucks, you're freaking out and you don't know how to solve it. You know, make yourself feel better. <laughs> like, yeah, that's a bad feeling. <laughs> It's like what a terrible way to live like you don't know why you're happy and then you don't know how to fix your sadness it's like <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah i know it's it just goes back to like you know you gotta you gotta know your personality right like I, I don't you know i don't i don't really like looking at all that kind of stuff it doesn't interest me that much whereas like you love it right so you, that's why you trade that way and that's why i trade that way even the stuff i was talking about at the beginning of the episode like it's longer term stuff so like you know i'll have to have an idea like if i'm in a bear market i'm not gonna buy everything and look for home runs kind of thing but like it's still really just based on technicals and the actual setup and a couple little fundamental things so it's stuff that i'm used to researching so but it's yeah it's it's the same thing we always talk about right everybody's so different there's a million ways to make money but just find whatever you like i mean you know i we both like trading and then within trading we both figure out what kind of information we like to research you're doing it all the time so you got to enjoy it like I enjoy looking at numbers and charts and patterns. You enjoy learning about the the economy, right? Yeah, I
1: just like enjoying, um, I guess I, I wanna know how things function. And if I figure out how things function, then I could see where the, I guess the, the issues could, could pop up or whatever. Yeah. Um, yeah, and this bond thing took me for a spin, man. I was literally, I only had a week ahead. I was starting to read about bonds and right when I was reading about it, this, the, the freaking market tanked and I was like, shit, I just started like a month earlier, I would have known to take some some money off the
0: table. Yeah. It never stops. No, no for next time, though.
1: Yeah, another 10 years from now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
0: that's the thing, though, right? That's what that's what it's all about. It's all about preparation, right? You know, it's not about making like, you know, you don't have to make a, a huge trade every single day. But that's the thing is like, you know, you do it for 10 years, you see something once and then you're fully prepared for it 10 years from now. And then you can just absolutely just throw the house at it and make a killing. Right. That's, that's how you get your big money is on those, those one or two giant trades in your career.
1: Yeah. Peter Lynch was like, you only need a, like a couple of these ones and it makes an entire career.
0: 100%. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And, and, and I lived it too. Cause I missed the last, um, the last economic crash. It was like, Oh, eight, Oh nine was the crash. Yeah. I got in January, 2012. So I'm kind of like the rock bottom slash recovery phase but I missed the whole crash and I and the more I learned I was like I vowed to myself first of all I'm not going to take part in the next crash but I'm going to take advantage of it and as Tesla was selling up in January and February of last year I started selling like crazy and the more it went up the more I sold it got to the point where I was like I'm gonna, I'm gonna have nothing to sell anymore it's just going to keep going right I was down to, I was I think I was down to my last 10 shares I had 200 shares and I was down to my last 10 shares <laughs> and it hit, and it just Hit a thousand, it just went boom. Yeah, and then you put it back. I was, I was buying that thing all the way down to three eighty five. Yeah. yeah, and so. uh, and then and that's what and that's one of the biggest things that helped me was uh when uh, when I started to trade, I was I learned about fibs and looking at charts. Right, I right. put the three the three eighty five dollar was right at the six one eight level of the fib retracement. Okay. So then that's how I identified that number. And I was like, all right, well, let's put an order there see what happens. I think I grabbed like 50 shares
0: there. I was like, holy shit, it worked. Yeah, that's the best feeling, man, when it works. <laughs> Anytime you take a trade, it's like 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 when I t- when, like whenever I take a trade and I just nail it like literally to the penny, I'm just like, oh, yeah, that, that was good. <laughs> that's the best feeling. It is. It's,
1: it's the worst when you get front run, though, because I'm Galaxy tanked on um, on Friday. From like twenty bucks to like, I don't know what the low is, like fourteen something. No, fifteen fifteen oh one. It it, it tanked to. it. I had an order at fourteen ninety something ninety one. I think I was off by like ten or eleven cents.
0: Was that a full size order though, or were you were you scaling in from there?
1: No, that was that was a big order.
0: Um, yeah. you, and you spread them out, man. Like get a little bit of a range on it. Well, it was like. Yeah, I suppose, but I, I was just so sure it would, it would hit that
1: level. Um, <laughs> but I got front run, and I think, and it's because that was actually a, a fib level, uh, for, 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 for 1490 something, right? But I think people front run it because 15 is such a psychological number. Yeah. So that's why they'll put the orders at 1501. So it wasn't even charting. It was just probably retail. Like, ah, let's put it at 15 bucks, 1501.
0: That's what I would have done, man. If I was thinking, <laughs> if I thought the line was 1495, I'd put my orders at like 1506 or something
1: like you <laughs>
0: <laughs> so what you do for next time you find out where your line is you put you know a third right here a third on the line and a third just below and that way if you hit them all your average is right where you want it to be yeah i'm gonna to try to get better with
1: that but i'm actually so i was annoyed that it missed but i'm actually not too sad about it because um just in case the market does do a double dip i'm gonna i think i'm gonna build the catch it the second time yeah because what I've noticed is that if there's a, so just like Friday, if there's a huge rebound, like we experienced on Friday, um, and we continue to have more sell-off either on bad news or some other factor, hmm. we're going to come down hard second time because all the demand has been used up on Fridays. Um, and so when it, if it comes back down again, literally no one, there's no demand there anymore. It's just oversupply.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you see that a lot. You get that one bounce down and then it falls off the end and then it rebounds right after that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's actually one of the long setups that I like is drawing a line down on those two. So if you get, you know, you get the big sell off and then you get a little bit of a bounce and you get that second wash down, as soon as it breaks that trend line to the upside, that's a really good spot to buy, you know, depending if everything else lines up, but that's that's one of my favorite long setups actually is that one.
1: Percent, 100%. Yeah. So I so I'm excited to see what happens Monday. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I like I'm, I'm almost out of cash right now because I kept buying the dip. I think I pulled the gun too early.
0: <laughs> man, I, I I never buy dips, dude. I suck so bad at it. Like so bad. <laughs> every time I try and buy the dip, I lose everything.
1: <laughs> so what is it? You buy the dip and it goes even lower like right away or, or yeah. there's a bounce or the fail bounce?
0: No, I just suck at it. Like every time I try and buy the dip, I just miss it or like. I buy way too early and then it goes way down and then I cut the loss right at the bottom. Like (laughs) I'm terrible at it. (laughs) I I tried it for a long time and I was just losing money every single time and I was trying all these indicators and I couldn't figure it out. I was like, this is stupid.
1: You have like... Like the opposite of, of the people that FOMO, like they, they finally see a price high enough that they're finally okay. Shit, I should buy it, and it's too late. But then yeah. you, you're like you see a price too low, and you're finally ah fuck, I should sell. And that was when everybody starts to buy. Yeah,
0: exactly. It happens to me all the time. <laughs> so that just that just got frustrated and just started shorting, so I can take all those longs money back.
1: <laughs> Funny, yeah. I think I think I think I think that's that's the 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 the, the theme for this episode. You got to know your personality, and trade within it.
0: Yeah, it's pretty common. I mean, yeah, that's that's the way everything goes. You got to have fun. You got to like what you're doing. I mean, it's got to interest you, right? Nobody's, nobody's sitting here making either of us do all this research. So if we're not enjoying it, you're not going to do it, right?
1: Yeah, I'm actually, I need to lay off the research. I'm like skipping meals. Like once I get, once I go down a rabbit hole.
0: That's why you look so small right now.
1: <laughs> I know, man. I just, yeah. Yeah, I got to, I'm going to, I'm going to stay off. The, I think I'm going to do a week where I'm going to stay off the computer.
0: Okay, we got to go train going kick your
1: ass in the gym oh man my first week back was just brutal i'm doing like a third of the way i used to and my shoulder's still fuck. i don't i don't understand it oh really yeah but but actually uh, do you know renato at fe yeah so he actually helped me identify the problem because so i've been sleeping on my left uh more recently since the uh since the quarantine okay. and he's like because i lost so much size maybe the it's it's messed up my positioning a little bit and I'm pitching a nerve or whatever it is.
0: Oh, okay, yeah, that makes sense.
1: Yeah, so I'm like shit. Well, I'm gonna lay off the shoulder for like a week or two, and then see what happens. Yeah, I get it back quick. <laughs> yeah, right. if I can, thank you. Yeah, that's yeah, about it here.
0: Yeah, I don't know how long we've been on. Probably like an hour and a half. <laughs> oh yeah, shit. Yeah, cool, cool. I, don't know, I didn't even see when we started.
1: All right, that's it, guys. Thanks for watching and uh, catch you on the next one. See ya.